0: Hi, this is Pastor Danny Deeth, and I'm so excited that you have chosen to join us here at First Presbyterian Church for worship today. Know that the love, grace, mercy, and joy of Jesus Christ beckon you to join our church family as we seek to celebrate our journey with Christ in this service of worship. So we're glad you're here. Come on in. Our second passage is taken from the Gospel of Matthew. We are reading chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. 36 through 44. Listen with fresh ears to the word of the Lord. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. If it looks like you made it through okay, got your post-stretchy Thanksgiving pants on, get you through the next couple of weeks. Um, there was one Thanksgiving story I heard. A lady's got to work on a little uh, office uh, friendship, but she, like many of us, were preparing to host Thanksgiving at her house. And it was Wednesday and she's a sticky note person. She had sticky notes all over the place. Do this, do this, get this ready, get this ready. She was all at Twitter. All of her family was coming. The in-laws were coming. The kids and their families are all coming. So she's a little frazzled in the office when her friend Sharon comes by and says, Mary, you're it's lunch, you're taking me, it's my birthday, remember? You're taking me out to lunch today. And of course, Mary forgot, but she played it off pretty good, pretty easy. She said, okay, yeah, sure, sure, let's go, let's go. So they get in the car, and all is well, until Sharon says, Mary, thanks a lot. Mary says, what? What is it? And she looks over, and on the dash is a sticky that says, take out the turkey. <laughs> oh, Okay. But we're in that season where we move time and events quickly. We were just immersed in our Thanksgiving, just immersed in our Saturday football coma as well, and now we have emerged and we are automatically and quickly in the beginning of our Advent journey. In our tradition, Advent consists of four weeks prior to what we celebrate as the birth of Christ on December 25th. It is four weeks of preparation, of looking inward to see how we can best prepare for the coming of the Christ child that we will celebrate again, changing the world forever. Advent started maybe in the Middle Ages, a little time before. There were variations. Some was longer. It wasn't until they set the date at December 25th, which was more probably realistically an, an arbitrary guess seasonally. We don't know, know the day that Christ was born, but once they set that, you had Lent and Easter in the spring, and so we did Advent and Christmas, late fall into early winter. So a time of preparation, a time to get ready. We have our four candles. Advent is a time of anticipation, A time of getting ready to welcome the Christ child. You'll notice today we're not singing Christmas carols yet. All of our greenery aren't quite complete just yet in the church. All of that is to slowly prepare week by week for us to get closer and closer to the coming of the Christ child. It would take something away from our preparation if today we lit all four candles and the Christ child... And we did that each week. No, we build thematically, we build in a variety of ways, and we build in our hearts and lives these four weeks to prepare. So today is Advent. Advent is that, word, uh, that Latin word, Adventus, which means to come. We are waiting for Christ to come. Based on the Greek word parousia, which is really associated with the second of the two comings today. Let me clarify that. Today we are celebrating in all Advent, we really celebrate two comings of Christ. It is a dual track. One is getting ready to welcome the Christ child to be born in the stable, Mary Joseph. This year we'll do wise men in the star because we're in Matthew's gospel But the other, we are waiting for Christ to come again for the second time. We call that the second coming. And at the same time, we are saying, come Lord Jesus, we are saying it again in two ways. One to welcome Christ incarnate in the infant, and we are also saying, come Lord Jesus, again for what we have come to know, the second coming. Make all things whole, bring your kingdom to fruition. It's a rather bold assertion. Are we ready? If God says, okay, you asked, and sends Christ to be with us again, how how do we feel about that? Or maybe if we were given a little time what if God gave us a week? Jesus will return next Sunday, First Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Georgia. Be out by the cookies after worship if you want to come see him. If we knew that Jesus was coming in a week, would our week look different than it would were Jesus not coming? My guess is absolutely it would. If we knew Christ would come on the 25th of December, on what we celebrate as his birthday, we would have a month. How would we spend that time? Advent is all about how we spend our time. But before we get to the birth story, it is the second coming on which we focus today, the first Sunday in Advent. Second coming is perplexing to us through Hollywood, through books, through different interpretations of prophecies, of prophets, of revelation, we all have different senses of what this might be like. What would it mean if Christ came back again? Could Christ be one of you and you're here already? Will Christ come in a way that everyone knows? Will everything end at that point or will there be some kind of time of trial and tribulation? Here's the answer. Don't know. There's a lot of different portrayals given for what that might look like. My personal belief from my study my experience from what I know from Scripture and sources, and this is my interpretation. Ask another minister, you'll get another one. I don't believe that the end times is going to be this great cosmic battle, this thousand year tribulation where God and all God's angels go to a field in the Middle East and, and the devil and all of the demons... There and they'll line up on the other side and they play this cosmic battle to see who wins. Seems foolish to me. We follow a God who is creator, redeemer, and sustainer. There is in no way that the, the forces of this earth or the dark forces can come anywhere near threatening him, his reign, God's crown, any of that. Last week, we celebrated Christ the King Sunday, and all of those pieces, God is all-powerful. Nothing else on this earth can contend with his throne, with God's throne. So I don't see that as viable in what I know about God. What will that look like again? Don't know. Jesus spends a lot of time telling us about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. But here, he's telling the disciples that they need to be ready. So we're in Matthew 24, Matthew 25, there are three stories that Jesus expands on what He's telling the disciples, the first are the 10 bridesmaids, and five of them have oil ready, and those five are taken. The ones who weren't ready weren't taken. That story that we hear a lot about in stewardship season, the master of the house goes away and leaves three of his servants in charge with three different monetary amounts, and they are to go and increase it, and the last one buries it because they're afraid They don't want to waste what had been given, and the master comes back and praises the first two because they took what they had been given and it grew. They grew what they had been given, but was angry at the last one who buried what he had in the ground. And the third one is the separation of sheep and goats. There is separation. There is judgment in our faith. Well, wait, preacher, I thought we were all about God's love and God's grace and God's light. Well, we are. But the reason that those things are so amazing is in light of the judgment that we will all incur and be a part of. Well, what do you mean? How does this judgment work? Well, there are a couple of different scenarios. One, we could all be judged when Christ comes again, I believe that Christ will come again in a way that cannot be denied. I think there'll be no opportunity to dismiss that away and for folks to say, oh no, that was an eclipse, that was a weird cloud. Whatever it is, we will know when Christ comes again and at that point, everything is done. Again, my, my translation, my view. I think what we have done up to that point is what we have done up to that point. Who we are, what we believe, Everything changes at that time. Maybe we're on, maybe this earth is heaven already, but not restored, not renewed. Maybe we go someplace. I, I don't know. We don't know that. But I believe Christ will come again, and there is judgment for us if all that happened at one time. I do believe we will be accounted, asked to account for the way that we lived our lives for how we were stewards for what God gave us, as far as our lives, our gifts, our resources, the people in our lives, the opportunities that we have, how did we use those to tell others about Christ, to take care of them in Christ's name? There could be a judgment that's more individual-centered. When we die, we may die before Christ comes a second time in big, glorious fashion. There could be a judgment there. When we leave this world and Christ brings us into the next, we could be asked to account for our lives at that point. And third, it could be on a daily basis that we are involved with the judgment for our, how we are living our lives. Are we living our lives in Christ, for Christ? Today, and none of us is perfect, we all know it's challenging on some days more than others. But what are we seeking to do in our life that has anything to do with God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, and our faith? Could be at third judgment. But the important part about this is that judgment doesn't stand on its own. Judgment is a part of who we are, what we do in our relationship with God, but not without grace. Our Hebrew Bible friends incurred the wrath of God. They had to atone for their sins through offering of animals and um, all of those that the priests did in order for them to be forgiven. But God took care of that with Christ once and for all. We don't need to offer burnt sacrifices to God anymore so that we can be forgiven. Christ did that for us. That is the grace. Now, as a mainline denomination, we Protestants can focus sometimes all about the grace and not think too much about the judgment. Other branches of our Christian faith can focus a whole lot on the judgment and not so much about the grace. Our understanding, as I believe Jesus is telling the disciples, is that they're both present, but not without one without the other. Judgment is tempered by the grace of the resurrected and risen Christ. We do not live in fear of the future, but in thanksgiving because of the past. We need not fear whatever this end of the world is going to be, whatever this second coming is, because of what Christ has already done for us and for the world. Christ came to save the world, not to condemn it, each one of us. So we have the beginning when Christ came. Christ will come again. We are that in-between time. And in this passage, Christ seems to say to them, you know what, it's not so important because they ask, when is this going to happen? And who's got it figured out when exactly this second coming into the world is going to happen? Leslie, uh, Margie, Mary, Bo, anybody? No, well, people seem every once in a while to think they have it figured out. I'd like us to turn to our cover of the bulletin and I want us to recite Jesus' words together about when we will finally figure this out. When will this second coming end of the world happen? Read this with me. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. If Jesus don't know, we ain't going to be able to figure it out. I'm telling you that. Jesus seems to be telling the disciples, you're asking the wrong question. It's not when it's going to happen. It's what are you doing now? Again, we are in that in-between time. Christ came, lived his life, was born, did his ministry, was resurrected, ascended into heaven And now we wait with the presence of God being the Holy Spirit until that second time. So we're in that in-between time. Not alone, God is with us, the Holy Spirit is with us, but we're also stewards of the kingdom that Christ brought when he came the first time. Not complete, we get glimpses, we get flashes, we get moments of connectedness with God, with Christ, with this kingdom. That when He Christ comes again, we'll be fully restored, recreated, as all of us will be as well. But the focus really is on, what do we do now? And Jesus even uses the example of Noah to tell them that they need to be ready. He says, well, all those people in Noah's time, do you remember right before the flood? They were eating and drinking, which that wasn't drunkenness and, and over imbibing. It was they were just doing their thing. They were getting married. They were being given in marriage, which means that they certainly thought they had a future. They had no idea what was getting ready to happen. Noah got in the boat. They didn't know what was going to happen. It started raining. They had no idea. They were doing their thing. They were living their life. They were going to work. They were feeding their kids. They were doing what they were doing until the rains came and they were swept away. And Christ is telling them again that nobody is going to know when this is going to happen. And if people think they do, run the other way. Because Jesus doesn't know there's no chance, friends, that we will figure this out, nor do we need to. What we need to be more concerned with is what do we do in the meantime? How are we supposed to be living to care for the master's house until the master comes home, which could be now, could be tomorrow, next week, could be 10,000 years from now. That is God's time. That is not our time question isn't so much when that's going to happen, it's what do we do now? And the answer is, be ready, be alert. Some of us in this whole judgment end of the world stuff can kind of write that off and not think about it, not really believe that anything is going to happen, and in doing so, we become complacent and apathetic. On the other end... If we become so preoccupied that we're going through the Bible looking for signs, and then we go through the newspaper looking for signs, and we're figuring out every day that the signs are happening and the world's going to end, then we're completely covered in anxiety and fear. And by the way, all those things that give biblical insight into when the end will come, as far as signs, those things happen on a regular basis, and they have been since the beginning of time, whether it's astrological events or its wars or its other signs and symbols, the key is for us not to be either of those, that we just give up on the understanding of the second coming and judgment and how all that's gonna work and so we pretend like it doesn't exist because then there's no urgency. What if again Christ was coming next week? Would you have a sense of urgency for that time that you had left? Of course you would. Of course you would. So would I. And so we are not to forget that we don't know when Christ will come home and we are to be ready. We are to be working. We are to be actively faithful in seeking to bring others to Christ, caring for one another in Christ's name, doing what we can to help others know what we know and to follow the resurrected Christ. We'll get to baby Jesus. All that is great. But there is hope that lies in all of this today. We shouldn't, as Debbie said to the children, our hope is rooted in the fact that Christ died and rose for each of us and the world. Therefore, the hope also is that when we follow when we open ourselves to the presence of Christ, that at that end time, Christ's grace will be present with us as well. Hope, light, and darkness, those are images that we will work with all the way through Advent. William Barclay, uh, the biblical scholar, in his commentaries, he says, Christian hope is not Founded in human good, human achievements, human endurance, Christian hope is completely rooted in the power of God. And when we remember that God is all-powerful, as we talked about last week for Christ the King Sunday, it means that the hope is that through the risen Christ, which God didn't have to send, But because God loves us, God did. That God is all powerful, and in those times to come, just as in the times that have come, where God has honored God's promises, God will walk with us in this life and into the next. So we are to be stewards today, to live in watchfulness, to live in being ready. And we have this time in Advent, this four-week window where we can focus in a way that is different than the way we normally do. We can try to reach out to Christ in different ways, to serve others in different ways, to participate in church and the family in different ways, all for the coming of this child that will change the world. So we do celebrate today the coming of Christ in a variety of ways. But let us seek to be the stewards that God is calling us to be, to live with urgency of spreading that love and that grace so that the world will know. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.